CatsCorner.com podcast. CatsCorner.com, your source for the sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, May the 27th. Let's see. Um, how many days has it been since there have been sports? Too many. Um, we are entering the the normal <laughs> the normal quiet time um, for me, and so um, we've basically used <laughs> all of the things that we would normally talk about uh, in said quiet time. Um, but I, I think that this topic has been a lot of fun on the football side, and I'm excited to do it on the basketball side as well. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, up in uh, Fishersville, David Spence is back on the program. How's it going, dude? Well, I was here last week too. You don't have to give me so much like back. Like, no, I didn't. I mean, like, I didn't where's mean he like been? That. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I meant like no. he's back. Like he's he's here. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I'm, I'm glad to be back. I'm trapped in a cage built by Dre Bly. Um, but here, who days <laughs> on the board at who days on Twitter? There's a gate though. I heard there was a gate, right? Wasn't there a yeah. gate? Um, I don't. I can't find it. We're gonna have to explain that, aren't we? All right. Um, I, I believe that you have moved, Ferber. I believe that you are now. Uh, Back in Alexandria? Ferber, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm good. I'm in Arlington. God, I, I knew it was an A word, and I, and I jacked yep, it up. Never lived in Alexandria. Um, but, yeah, I guess it's still within Dre Bly's imaginary fence or whatever. I always thought it was weird that these teams will do this. and I, they're, North Carolina is not the first one to do this, but to say, like, we're going to put a fence around a state that we're not in. Because then wouldn't you not be able to get through the fence? Yeah, didn't he make a joke then about how he has a key to the gate, but nobody else has the key? Yeah, it's like I'm not going to go up to my neighbor and be like, I'm about to put a fence around your yard. Like, (laughs) he would just be like, cool, (laughs) thanks. Oh, man. Uh, Add Justin on his score for on Twitter, though. So, um, I guess... Well, okay, first, Cavs Corner on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, I, I kind of, how do I how do I get into this? So, Dre Bly is now uh, a DB's coach, right, at Carolina. And Carolina has been recruiting at a very high level inside the, the Tar Heel State. Has, I mean, they haven't made a whole lot of hay outside of Carolina. Um, but they... Several weeks ago, tweeted out this like the coaches there were you know Virginia is for uh, what was it Virginia's for Tar Heels or some nonsense like that. It was basically per- oh yeah. yeah pretending like that Carolina's pulling all this talent from 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 inside Virginia. Fast forward now and so now he's talking about he wants to put a gate around the state. Now I will say this: Carolina's made some inroads with some of the in-state kids um, and doing a pretty good job. Dre Bly, of course, from the seven five seven. Originally, so uh, I mean, we're not certainly not going to tell you that Carolina won't eventually get some seven five seven players, um, but at least as of yet, Carolina not exactly dominating the state of Virginia. His his whole thing about how he was going to put a gate around the state of Virginia, um, a gate was such a or a fence around the state of Virginia or whatever. Cage cage was the word to use. Anyway, meanwhile, back at the actual topic that we are here to talk about tonight. So uh, a couple weeks ago, tossed out the idea for uh, a what if episode based around UVA football. Uh, we sufficiently answered all those questions, put out another call to action on uh, Virginia basketball, and got a plethora of questions. Uh, just realized it in my document here. I misspelled Cody Statman's name. My apologies to him. All right, so we're going to get through as many as we can get through tonight. I might um, amend it a little bit to maybe save some for other episodes. My guess is this is going to be at least two or three, judging from the number um, um the number of questions we receive. All right, um, let's go first with, um, I don't know, what is your, I, I, I want to ask you guys, if, if and we don't necessarily have to answer it per se, I, I think for football it's Ronald Curry, right, was always my biggest what if. Dave, I think yours was 1990. Um, do you, is the biggest what if in basketball, the biggest what if for Virginia basketball is X. Tell me what X is. We don't necessarily have to get into it. I do, I'm just curious <laughs> what your X is, Dave. We'll start with you. I don't have an ex, so uh, yeah, I'm going to try to come at this with the same you know, fervor I came came about the football one with. But for me, it's like the butterfly flick. Like, I don't I don't feel like I'm allowed to say what if because we you know Virginia cut down the net, so one of 21 teams won a national title in the last 50 years. I'm pretty happy. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it, it would probably go back to Samson, the Samson years, um, just you know, how dominant that team was during the regular season and never able to even get, you know, even make a deep run and win the title. That would probably be my biggest what if. 
All right, Ferber, what's your biggest Virginia basketball what if? Yeah, I mean, I think what Dave said is really true. There's a lot of things um, that you can look at and say, like, man, if this had gone differently, I wonder how it would have played out. But most of those things would result in things being worse. You know what I mean? So, like, if you want to play the what if game with the 2017 that, you know, lost in the second round, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, you know, maybe Dave Lato's career in Virginia lasts longer and then they don't get Tony Bennett. So, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like <laughs> the situation they're in is so good that it's hard to look back and say, like, man, what if this had happened differently? I, you know, it could have been better. I think you can look at, like, what if small things went differently during this run, this Tony Bennett era? Um, and obviously the biggest what if is, like, what if they had hired somebody else? Uh, but that's not a world that I think a lot of UVA fans want to live in. <laughs> but that doesn't mean we can't talk about it. But you, you know how, like, I don't know if anybody watches Westworld, but in Westworld, there are a bunch of these different parks that are essentially different worlds. So there's, like, Shogun World and there's, like, Wild West World or whatever. That's, like, UVA not hiring Tony Bennett is, like, denial world for, for UVA fans. It's like, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, don't want to be there. I, I And it's funny. So on the... On the football side, it's all about like how do you get there, right? Like what do you need to do to be better, or what do you need to do to be to reach the apex? On the basketball side, like today's point, because Virginia's been there, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot less of that, right? Because it's it's happened. But I I think it's natural if you think about the question and you're not trying to like I don't know, um, make the national championship disappear. But I think it's natural to think like would the thing would like. Would you still get to the same point if these things change, right? So I think that's the nature of a what-if question. But I think you do have to put the championship on the table, and almost every question we're going to ask tonight, what if such and such happened, the the subtext is, would UVA still want a national championship, right? Like I, I think that's just kind of implied um, because yeah. it's the nature of the beast when, you, when you're talking about a team that won a title. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, yeah, and it's just it's a, such a big thing to give up, you know, for any small game, you know, a, another round or making the Final Four against Syracuse. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to approach it like Virginia still wins the title. What, what if what would have happened this particular year? Because otherwise, it answers would be boring. And in some of these scenarios, it might not have made the least bit of difference, right? I mean, they yeah. might everything might have still played out the way that it did in the long run, but also, you know. While we can imagine these situations, we don't actually have to give up the title because these aren't real. So. <laughs> Thank God. That's a good point, Ferber. The title, the, the the banner's still secure, even if nobody's seen it in a while. All right. Um, so I kind of I, I went through the questions, and again, thank you to everybody uh, on on the Twitter on the Twitter sphere, Twitter Twitter machine is what I want to say, and then I started with Twitter sphere, and that was weird. Um, I I tend to think there are a handful of what, what we kind of talked about on the football side, right? The inflection points, you know, uh, 1990, Ronald Curry, that kind of stuff. I think there's what if Jeff Jones doesn't get fired? Um, I think there's what if Joe Harris is, doesn't drive to Tony Bennett's house, right? Um, I think there's the 2016 class, and then there's UMBC. Now, we can quibble over Syracuse and such and such, but to me, those are the big ones. But we're going to handle uh, in, in this, whether it's this episode or future ones, um, I'm going to start with a very random one. Um, Daniel Embrace the Pace wants to know, what if Renardo Sidney had, had picked UVA? Now, for anybody who doesn't know who Renardo Sidney is, um, he is <laughs> he's the reason that I came to Cass Corner. Um, I, at the time, I had reached out to Chris Wallace and said, like, hey, I'd love to do um, you know, some writing for the site, whatever, whatever. And so he said, yeah, you know, UVA is about to have this kid, um, you know, this really highly rated kid. Um, 2009, Renardo Sidney was a six foot 10, 250 pound power forward, number 16 nationally, number five at his position. He ended up signing uh, with Mississippi State, um, depending on who you talk to. Um, there may have been a bag involved. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Renardo Sidney was a fairly big to do for Dave Lado and you know, I said 2009. So what happened very shortly thereafter? Um, I, I mean, listen, if 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 Virginia had actually gotten Renardo Sidney, my guess is that the Cavaliers would have been on probation for a while. Um, you know that I don't think it was gonna. I don't think it was gonna be a normal kind of 
um, run of the mill sort of recruitment. I start with that one because the reality is, is that a lot of these are very serious. Like a lot of these are, they're not like a lot of fun ones in here, right? Maybe, um, if the Elton Browns had traded sports, Charlie wanted to know which, which would have had more success, which I thought was actually kind of fascinating just to think about, uh, football Elton Brown on the basketball floor. Um, six, eight, what? Three twenty. Um, every bit of it. That's a lot of dude in the middle. Um, I feel like you could have put basketball Elton Brown somewhere on foot on the football team, and he probably would have been okay. Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's start here. Um, what if they blew the whistle on Michigan State? Hashtag Tevin was foul. That's from Brian. Um, a lot of people had this question. Um, I guess we should set the scene. Um, Ferber, I'm going to ask you to set the scene on this one, um, just so I'm not talking the whole time. Um, we, in, judging from the reviews, we get that people don't like it when I talk a lot, um, but they like Ferber. So, all right, if Virginia wins that game, that doesn't. I mean, there's this, there is this concept misconception out there. I think that like Tevin getting fouled would have like won the game, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but that's not. I don't even get it remember the own. exact amount of time. I just know that it would have helped UVA, obviously, in a situation where I think they were behind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They were. Um, yeah, they were down. Yeah, behind. and and I believe they were down like a few point, like two or three, and trying to, if I remember correctly, because I didn't look it up. Um, Michigan State was inbounding the ball, and UVA was trying to defend them, and obviously like try to steal or foul, and he got like hit in the face or something. Um, yeah, he pushed off pretty hard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember live thinking it was a foul, but nowadays, I mean that that's one of those things that. I didn't really that that never really it seems like it just really lingered for a lot of people and I don't really remember it that way. Um, and maybe that's going to skew my answer for this. So I don't really think that necessarily means they're going to win the game. The bigger thing in that game, I think, was Anthony Gill getting hurt. Um, if UVA wins that game, they play seven seed UConn in the next round. Um and obviously, it's hard to say for sure that UConn wouldn't beat UVA because UConn went on to win the national championship. Um, but, I mean, they were a seven seed that kind of got hot in the tournament. You know, maybe UVA's defense is enough to slow them down. I think Shabazz Napier was their best player that year. Um, and they ended up beating Michigan State after a lot of – I remember thinking, like, Michigan State's going to, like, win the national championship – um, when they beat UVA, because I thought, I mean, that they were like criminally underseeded as a four because they had some injuries. So, um, yeah, I mean, UConn kind of just rolled to the title after that. So uh, I think UVA would have had a decent chance. And if they win that game, they're in the final four way earlier than they ended up, um, obviously, you know, five years later. And I don't know if that dramatically changed the, the trajectory, maybe in, in a sense. And I think I made this case last year. I think almost as you know counterproductive or whatever this might be i almost feel like the fan base wasn't mature enough to be there then if that makes any sense while it would have been awesome to go in 2014 and those players deserved you know to go as far as they could go um i think uva might have taken what happened after that for granted and maybe the expectations would have ballooned a little too out of control if they won that game um but yeah, I guess if Tevin had been fouled, the short answer is I think UVA would have got the ball. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> so to to it's recap, it's so weird here. that he was in the game. By the way, well, I think okay. So all right, now I need I need a point of clarification here because my brain doesn't is not recalling this. So all right, um, it's Payne hits the three with like a minute and a half to go, puts them up three. Brogdon misses. Payne go hits Dawson. He dunks. It's it's so they're they're up five with 52 seconds joe comes back but 13 seconds later hits a three to cut it back to two now i don't know if on this inbounds is the one where they don't call that Payne gets fouled he goes to the line he makes two free throws to put him up four brogdon hit a three with 1.1 seconds left to bring it to 61 60 to 59 and then gary harris gets fouled he makes one of two to make it 61 59 which was the uh, final 
Um, yeah, I think Anderson threw like a three quarter court shot at the buzzer or yeah. something like that. So I, I and I apologize. I, I thought I remembered this more than I do, but I don't remember where in those two scenarios Tevin gets fouled. It's kind of important, honestly, because if they call the foul, like it was. I mean, I'm sure we could look it up. I always thought it was with like 15 seconds left or something. So it must have been the one after Brogdon, yeah. or after sorry, after before yes. um, before Payne gets fouled. Um, 32 seconds left. All right, that's a significantly different situation when they're up two, right? Then maybe you're looking to tie it versus when they're when they're up one after Brogdon's three with one second left. If they call the foul, you could have been going to the line potentially, right, to to potentially win the game. But yeah, my recollection is is that it was not I, I that take late. Take it back. The foul, the foul was the score was 56 to 54. Okay, so it was so called. it was 32 seconds left. They're yeah. going to inbound after Joe Harris's three. Um, yeah, this feels right. It was like they were they were under UVA's basket, mm-hmm. and yeah. UVA was just trying to put so they pressure were down on to either foul them immediately right. or steal. So UVA's down two and should have gotten a call that either would have given them at least given them the ball, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I think they would have the just gotten the ball back. So, I mean, that's a significant thing. Had had Virginia won this game, they would have had to go on and play UConn um, two nights later. I've always been with the mindset that like, listen, this thing was it was late. Um, Either one of these teams, it didn't really matter who won. They weren't. They probably weren't getting out with uh, out of the region. I, I, that's just me. That that's just. Yeah. I do and remember there was a lot of people, and I'm sure there was some bias in this, but I remember a lot of people saying, even people that weren't in the UVA fan base, that maybe UVA kind of bloodied Michigan State up a little too much um, in that game, yeah. and they were just weren't able to. They just like ran out of gas. But I don't really remember how that UConn game played out. Izzo kind of said it in his. Post game, I just happened to stumble across that article. He talks about how they were just kind of in a, in a dog fight against Virginia less than forty eight hours before, and just didn't have the legs to finish against Connecticut. I think the thing, the reason why this is so like intoxicating for Virginia fans is because there's just enough time for you to think that like you know they get the ball. And I mean, Joe Harris just hit a three, but also then Brogdon hits another three. Before the before the buzzer that gets them to with, within one, so even without the call, they were still in a position after Gary Harris makes one of two and they're down two to at least have a last attempt that you know isn't anywhere close. Like it's it's like catnip, right? It's impossible if you think about it, especially given the struggles to that point that you think you're so close and this was your you know this was your David so to speak, like right? Like they, yeah, they were a four seed and Virginia was a one. Blah, I don't care. Like you're trying to get to the final four. If you're a Virginia fan, you're looking at that going, there was an obvious call that got missed. And it, it's impossible not to just make a direct cr- connection with, you know, a potentially, you know, an outcome that is more advantageous. Even if they call the foul, Virginia's got to execute. But given the last 30 seconds, aside from the last attempt at the buzzer, I mean, they, they did a good job of executing. And I mean, heck, maybe getting the foul was, you know, in and of itself, good execution. Um, but I, I do maybe, tend to, I tend to think that like, they don't get out. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think honestly, the fact that we're still talking about this six years later after they won a national championship, and I'm not saying, I mean, we asked for these kind of scenarios, but correct. Um, I think it speaks to the fact that fans, not just UVA fans, fans at large, just have a tendency to like the things that they remember the most about losses are slights. So it's like a call that didn't go their way. Um, how many calls in that game didn't go Michigan State's? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm sure there were some because that's how it works. Um, like, but that's what I mean. I think people get so caught up in that, like, the bitterness, like, yeah. they just can't let it go. Um, obviously, there's a reason. I mean, it's not completely illogical just because the refs, are, their job is to call it as fair as they can and they make mistakes. Um, yeah, I mean, some some Texas Tech podcast right now is doing what if – yeah. Oh, I mean, think about, I mean, like as much as, as much as we want to like laugh at the Auburn people that do the tie Jerome double dribble thing. I mean, I, I, if you're in their position, we're, you know, we, yeah, we're having the same conversation. Like, exactly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is, but it, you know, I think, and, and I don't like, I know that sounds kind of weird to say that like UVA wasn't ready to be in the final four, but it did kind of like the fact that they lost where they did, you know, they had won the ACC tournament in the regular season and they had gotten to the Sweet 16, which is still way more combined than they had done in so, so long. Right. And you knew that. Ne- I mean, that was one of the things that it didn't necessarily at that time, to me anyway, feel like a flash in the pan year. 
because we knew they were going to be good the next year. Um, even with Harrison Mitchell leaving, we knew that, you know, Gil would be back and um, Malcolm Brogdon would be back and so on and so forth. And I think they were like preseason number eight or something. So it felt like, okay, you know, next year is going to be good again. And then the next year after that, they're going to be good again. So like there were, it felt like there was something to kind of like hang on to rather than it just being like, this was their one chance to do it, even though they hadn't done it in so long. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go to, let's see where do I want to go next. Um, all right, let's go with one that is in, in and of itself. I, I, I don't want to say, um, laughable but it, it it certainly would be um a thing one young bennett conlon would like to know what if cody statman wasn't tamed by tony bennett's system and was given the freedom to run and transition as he pleases i would imagine that cody statman would have a lot more dunks um of course this is uh tongue-in-cheek but i, I think that I, I i saw this and i thought, thought it was funny but i also thought we look at virginia's roster all the time and we try to figure out how the cavaliers you know, how are they going to be, you know, in this specific situation against this specific team or in this specific season? We don't really talk a lot anymore, you know, titles will do that, about like what if they made changes, right? And certainly last year's roster, you know, I'm going to call the 2019-2020 season last year at this point. Um, that roster had some serious deficiencies, right? Um, there's, no, there's no doubt. But if you look forward to the one they're about to have, what's the best offense for them to run? Would they be better if they ran – you know, a little bit more if they if they were able to um, to get up and go, if they didn't put such a premium on defensive rebounding, if guys you know leaked out a little bit more. Um, this is clearly not what Bennett was asking, but it did make me think about it. What if Virginia ran a different offense? What if Virginia's system was because it's not like if you run a pack line, you have to also be slow, right? There's nothing that says that you run the pack line and you can't get out in transition. It just means that these are the principles, right? Um, you know, Texas Tech last year had, you know, they run a similar sort of system. Arizona has run Lou- Louisville. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Yeah. So there, it's, it can be done. So I guess that's the question I at least I'm going to pose for Bennett here. What if UVA ran a different offense? Would they be as successful? Would they be any would it? I mean, obviously it would look different. But what, what do we think? Dave, let's start with you. I mean, some years I think they'd be slightly more successful. But, you know, it's you – know, the way they play defense, I mean, I, I've always said, like, I think part of what they what you see on offense is the guys just getting their legs back, you know. Um, I mean, they they force guys deep into the shot clock uh, on on more possessions than than they're used to, and they they play just you know the the help and recovery defense is just exhausting. So it's hard to unless you've got a deep roster, you know, that you can rotate guys consistently and have the trust for the defense the defense has got to be good right i mean that's that's what tony does so um i don't think it's impossible to have a different system and be successful i just think it the margin for error gets smaller um you've got to have you know like you like at the team that won the championship like those guys could could run you know especially when everyone was healthy that team was deep enough you know to substitute guy as and give you different, different rosters you know with the addition of key obviously having a couple of wing defenders um, <clears throat> so you could give each one a break. I think that team could have pushed more. And if you look at the, if you look at the scoring it took for them to win the title, they did. Um, so I, I don't know that a system would change how many games they won. It might change how many points they scored, but it would also change how many points they gave up. So, I mean, I, I don't look Virginia wins by percentage of, you know, if you add the average margin of victory for Virginia under Tony, I want to say in the last five or maybe even longer than that years, it's probably higher than anyone in the ACC. If you you know if you just did a percentage more than your opponents versus total points. What do you think, Ferber? What if, what if they ran a different offense? And what do you think that what do you think they should run? Let's, let's let's frame it that way. I mean, I think they should stick with what's working. Or well, I guess this past year is kind of different, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, what Dave said is true. Like the the complementary style is working, and and you know that last point that he made about margin, that kind of proves in a sense that it's not like the it's not like I don't think you can sit there with a straight face and say, 
UVA's defense is really great, and their offense is getting the job done. But if they played their offense like North Carolina does, they would be beating teams by 60 points because that's just – I don't think that's true. Um, because, like Dave said, there's kind of a trade-off there. So, you know, I, I think that what they're doing is working. I think this past season I would have liked to see them try some different things just because it was clear that this was kind of an outlier team from an offensive standpoint, and it, they weren't going to be able to score in the way that they normally would. But for the most part, um, I think, you know, what they do, I think what you saw last year, the, the makeup of the team is what Tony's going to try to recreate over and over again. And I think the offense that they run works for that kind of team where it's like you have a few versatile guards, including a few that can really shoot the ball. Um, probably one X factor type wing player, kind of a DeAndre Hunter type that can, um, you know, get to the basket and make stuff happen. Uh, you could almost put like Jabri Abdurrahim in this category, even though he probably needs to come along a little bit further physically to be where DeAndre was by the end of his career. Um, you know, an X factor type guy that can get to the rim and defend, and then a couple of bigs that can set screens, and then you know maybe pop out and do some stuff. So, I think with that offense, what what UVA runs is perfect. So I don't think we're going to see a ton of variation from what they've been doing. Um, but I mean, Tony is willing to change things up. I mean, he hired a coach basically for that reason as like an offensive sort of mind. Right. Um, so I wouldn't be totally shocked to see them throw in some new wrinkles from time to time, like they did, you know, a couple years ago. Uh, the, the situation, um, with George Floyd and, and, and everything going on in uh, Minneapolis, um, I, I saw the, the, the photo, uh, of the team, um, you know, and they're, 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 kneeling protest several years ago. And I bring that up not because I want to get into a political discussion or, or anything of that nature, but specifically about the, the group of guys that were there, right? You had Jay Huff, you had Deandre Hunter, you had, um, Marielle Shayok, Linda Perantis. You had, um, Austin Nichols was there who is our next question, um, is related to him. Uh, you had Kyle, you had Ty, you had, um, you know, there's just a whole lot of talent in that group. And I thought, Man, that team that team was really, really good. And the reason I bring that up now is because realistically, every year, including this past one, you probably could make an argument that if you tweaked X, and, and the reality though is that without the complimentary piece, you just not it's almost impossible to know how good they would be, right? Like without without the way that the two pieces fit together. I think there have definitely been times where I have, you know, they've been in a game and I've thought you know, if they could, if they could better utilize their advantage on offense, and instead of being afraid to give up a potential, um, and, and I guess the way to just to say it would be, in, uh, instead of being afraid to um, to open up a potential weakness on defense, um, there have definitely been games like that, and there certainly have been times when I thought that their their the, the benefit that they get of making teams play against the pack line, that if they also put pressure on teams when they had the ball offensively, um, not just in terms of coming off screens, because that is, that is, I think, the perfect compliment, right? I mean, think, you know, when you've got shooters and you've got guys who can set screens, now you're not just beating them up when, they're on, when, when they've got the ball and making it work to get a shot. Now you're also running them around like crazy. Um, so there's, there's, more on, there's more you can do on offense to make a team pay than just running, right? You don't have to get up and down just to hurt them. Um, but so I, I, I tend to agree that if the offense was different, I don't know how much would be different because I just don't know how much you would still be able to, to count on. Speaking of Austin Nichols, I got this version of that question from several people. Um, you know, what if Austin Nichols either had, had, you know, had been on that team, had not gotten in trouble, had been able to come back. Um, realistically, I, that's one of those what ifs that I just never think about. Um, and that's not, I'm not trying to throw shade at anybody. I, I just, I just think that like, yes, it was, it was difficult in that season because of the lack of post scoring and what it meant for that group. But as things went forward, I think that's one of those that like, you know, we can get into Michigan state or the Syracuse, you know, lead eight loss or, you know, NBC or whatever. But to me, that was one of those unfortunate situations that Virginia sort of figured out down the road, even if for that season, they couldn't necessarily score. Um, does anybody think, often at all about that uh, dismissal um, and what it meant for that team and what, if it had been different. 
Eh, I mean, I think <laughs> I think he definitely could have brought something to the table. Um, that 2017 team was not very good offensively. They had that really rough stretch of four or five games in there and ended up getting blown out in the second round by Florida. Um, for that team, I'm not necessarily saying that he would have been the difference. I think it would have raised the ceiling. Uh, my thing with that team, though, is you had London Perantes there, and like you mentioned, Shayok and Thompson, um, guy, guys that ultimately left because you know they either didn't feel like they were a great fit for the system or wanted to do something else. So it's not like you had a team that was like absolutely stacked um, with guys that were like ready to go win a national championship. And I think the fact that you had DeAndre Hunter redshirting, uh, Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome just weren't what they ended up being yet. Um, Guy had flashes, Jerome had flashes, but not consistently. Um, so I think he maybe raises the ceiling a little bit on that team. And then the next year, I think, is when having him could have really benefited them even more. But, I mean, what did they go in that year? Like 31-2 and two or whatever? <laughs> like, it wasn't like they lost a ton of games. So, I mean, you know, the, the UMBC loss maybe doesn't happen with him. But it's it's so hard to say. Yeah. Uh, Dave, you got anything on that before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I think the other only other wrinkle to Austin Nichols is, you know, who did you not recruit because you had him redshirting for a year and on, on the roster for another one? So you ended up filling basically an extra spot with a uh, not to throw shade at him, but Jerry Reuter, who probably you wouldn't have taken if you needed a post guy. Yeah, he was a perfect compliment to him. But yeah, that's a good point. <clears throat> so I mean, I think if anything, maybe you have more depth. player. Let's be honest. Yeah, and you know, you ended up. I mean, I guess the good part is you you ended up, you know, you had Mamadi come in anyway, but I don't know. That That's about the only thing. I, I don't know. Maybe that's – I, I don't know how he could have made the the following team that much better. Yeah. All right, let's go to – all right, we've got, we're about 30 minutes in, a little, little bit over. Um, last time we did this, we, we, we tackled the Ronald Curry thing. Also, uh, Timothy wanted to know what if Ronald Curry – uh, we're going to package that inside the Jeff Jones um, question, which is going to come, I think, next next time. I want to handle two quick ones first. What if UVA got um, Javon Quinterly instead of Kihei Clark? And I think it again. That's uh, embrace the pace. I, <laughs> Some I, booster would have less money than they have now. Yeah. Well, I, listen. I, I think that Quinterly's situation has always been a little bit murky to me. Like I'm never really sure like how much he was involved, and it certainly seems like there were plenty of people around him who were involved. Um, yeah. That thing, UVA felt really good about it, and then it just fell off a table. And I've always thought, in hindsight, that that was the point when you know everybody around him got involved. But let's assume in, in this question that nobody around him, you know, let's let's assume that none of that happened because UVA wasn't playing that kind of ball. All right, if UVA has Quinterly instead of Kihei, I, I think one of the things that made it this might this might be blasphemy, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I think one of the reasons that the guys took so well to this young kid getting so many minutes was because it allowed them to do something that they wanted to do, right? It allowed Ty to play a little more off ball. It gave them an extra ball handler, which I think helped Kyle and helped him um, maybe not have to be on the ball as much, right? And it also allowed him to to be free to, to shoot a little bit more. Um, if, you're, if you get Quinterly, right, that's a very different sort of um, – I can't. I, I don't even know how to talk about this in any non-political terms, right? Like, there's political capital, right, that you have um, in terms of like the way people relate to each other and the in the way they understand situations, right? And there's just a different expectation when you bring in a five-star kid and hand him the ball, right? So how you play, how you utilize that spot would have been different, right? Because at that point, you wouldn't have wanted to chase, you know, Ty Jerome off because you went out and got Quinterly, right? Um, so it would, I think it would have played out differently. Obviously, they have different skill sets um, and, and whatnot. Um, but I don't think they're better. Um, I just, I, I, I'm one of these weirdos who thinks that um, Kihei Clark is pretty good at basketball. And maybe he's not going to be Javon Quinley. Maybe he, whatever. But he was what UVA needed in that situation. So if the, you know, the question here is somewhat open-ended, I would assume that it means, you know, would they be better or worse? Would they've gotten a championship? And I mean, honestly, I just think that that would have been somewhat detrimental to the culture. Um, and Kihei was perfect for it. And the way that the kid broke his wrist and came back, I, I think he indebted himself to his teammates. And then obviously he he made a lot of big plays um, down the stretch of his freshman season. 
Um, Ferber, let's open up to you. What if UVA got Quinterly instead of Kihei? Yeah, I mean, Quinterly was a big player coming out. Um, you know, I, do you guys even know where he is right now? Like, do you know what team he's on? He left. I do not. He left Nova, and I think he. I he's don't at think Alabama. he's Alabama. Right. Yeah, he's at Alabama, but right. is he is he coming back for this next season? I guess. Yeah. I mean. Because I sure. thought I'd seen that, that he. That's kind of what his... I'm saying is like even, I'm not trying to disparage his ability because he was a big time prospect coming out and clearly his career has taken kind of a weird trajectory with the Arizona stuff and then going to Villanova, um, and that not working out. But I mean, it's not exactly like he's lit it up, and Kihei Clark was what third team All ACC this year, so. I guess let me know when Javon Quinterly makes an all-conference team, and then we can have this conversation. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to say that he's bad. No, or, I, like, no, he wouldn't I, have I been good at UVA, but like, it's not like UVA missed on some can't-miss player because he already is proven to not be a can't-miss. Well, that's fair. I mean, at Villanova, yeah. they wouldn't. He wasn't playing. Like he, you know, he like they didn't play him. So, <laughs> like, I don't really know what to say about it. Um, I think I, I you can't really talk about it without mentioning that Kihei Clark is involved in the most important play in the history of Virginia basketball. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, does Quinterly make that pass or does he shoot? Right, it and I, and I'm not saying Quinterly's not capable of doing it, but it's you know what I'm saying. Like it's not. I'm not trying to say like he Kihei can do things that Quinterly can't and stuff like that. Um, there's, I mean, he's probably a little bit quicker, um, but. You know, it's hard to, like, undo that and just put Quinterly in that spot and expect him to do the same thing. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't have much to add to that. It worked out. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, there's no way you can say Quinterly would be, you know, would make the team better. And there's also no way you can say that he wouldn't have some, you know, some ties to what he ended up having ties to. Right. And that's something that needs to be addressed as well. Yeah. Like. He he was whether he did anything wrong or like Brad said, if somebody else did something that was against the rules, we don't know really. I don't think anything was ever said like officially on that. But I mean, if he ended up at UVA after all the wiretap stuff, um, yeah, that's just I think idea. that would be a bad thing. I mean, like even if even if he came to UVA for all the right reasons and you know didn't accept any extra benefits to do it. It would. It's hard to like. You're not going to convince people of that. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure yeah, that Villa, think... like Villanova does not. They don't have a reputation for cheating. Um, no. He ended up there, like, and and that might have been all above boards. But I remember when they took him, people were like, "What? Like Villanova?" Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. that was definitely odd. All right, let's let's do let's yeah. do one quick one, and then we'll have one somewhat serious one. Uh, what if Keith Jennifer played under TB? And that's uh, a good one from Greg. I mean, <laughs> Probably wouldn't have been for long. Yeah. <laughs> um, listen, I I am I I would love to tell you, like that I know how this would go, and that like you know it would go the way that the. But I mean, Tony Bennett kind of has a knack for like getting through to people. Um, so either it would have been really short, or it would have worked. Like, there's no middle ground for me. Yeah. Um, maybe you know, he has like a completely different career. Like if, if Tony can like convince him to do what he wants him to do, but yeah, it's also hard to see him signing up to play UVA. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Um, all right, let's, let's tackle this one. Harp wanted to know what if UVA actually got to play in the NCAA tournament this year? Oh, the NCAA <laughs> tournament. Remember that? That's fun. I like the NCAA tournament. Um, all right. So I got to take the ACC tournament. Yeah. Right. Um, Hey, I me think, and Brad got to see some ACC tournament games. <laughs> yeah, we got to see. We didn't and, watch any of it. We didn't watch any of it, but we got to see it. Um, yeah, we were in the building. Um, no, I. That listen, was when all the Rudy Gobert stuff happened, and I was just like staring at my computer the entire time. Tom Hanks got it. It was that whole that those few hours <laughs> were. I, it was completely surreal. Everything about it, and then it was just weird. It was eerie. Like being in the building just felt weird. You know, like it just felt it was odd. Um, and then there was also this like this like, you know, pending sense of doom. You know, it was like, well, any second now, 
You know, they're going to call this game, and next thing you know, everything was going to be canceled. And we had Dave in the phone just being like, y'all, everything's, you know, lock it all up. Like, none of this is happening. <laughs> Dave, I, I, you know, I, I've, I've, said, I've said this before. Uh, Dave was, was on this whole, like, cancellation nonsense early. Like, he, he, he foresaw it, you know. Um, he sainted. it. Um, but anyway, um, so let's assume coronavirus doesn't happen. Um, let's assume that everything works as is. Um, I think Virginia was playing pretty good ball. I think that the fact that they had such a winning streak, um, not necessarily was fool's gold in the sense of like, in the sense that like they weren't really earning the wins. They certainly had a few in there that were a little bit uh, touch and go. But I, I think that any winning streak, um, the longer it goes, the more likely it is to end, right? Like, are you going to win every game from, you know, is that going to happen? I mean, even the championship team lost in in the ACC tournament. Um, I think if they got to play in the NCAAs, they would have been a, what, a six-ish seed? How do we, what do we think seed-wise? I think by the end of the regular season, they were somewhere in the five, six, seven range. So let's assume they made, they won a game in the ACC tournament. Okay. And then they lost, right? So I think, you know, five or six seed. Okay, cool. Um, I, I do think they probably would have would have won a game or two. Um, and then it would have ended, and that would have been it. Like it would have not. I, I I don't, and I don't mean that as any shade at the at the guys. I don't mean that as, um, you know, as like a hot take. I just think that like it would have been a normal sort of ho hum NCAA appearance that you have when you've won a championship. Like it, at at the point when you win a title, like from that point forward, like nothing really matters unless you win another one, right? And it would have been one of those, like, oh, they, you know, they won the first weekend, they lost by seven to so and so, and then, you know, they got ready for next year. Um, I, I think that team had a lot of potential, and you know, it had had um, had anybody been shooting it better at that point? You know, if they had if they had gotten out of the Louisville game because you know Wolderton's had gone crazy again, and you had some some kind of thought that maybe he was catching fire again, but as it was, I think they were they were going to have to still gut everything out, and I don't think that would have been enough. Uh, Dave, let's go to you. What do you what 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 have UVA got to actually play in the NCAA tournament this past year? I mean, it's so hard to say. They're such a gritty team. I mean, they won like eight of the last ten by a single, you know, by three points or something. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, I mean, they could have made a little noise. It just depends on matchups with that team, and you know, they wouldn't have had the, the it wouldn't be carrying the weight of UMBC on them and. I mean, I think you're right. Maybe maybe they're a Sweet 16 team, maybe Elite Eight if they get the right matchups. Um, you know, if they play defense well and everybody's, you know, everybody, you know, everybody hits the shots they should hit. I, I don't know if a national championship was in in the cards for that team. Just, I mean, the defense was good, but we we know from, you know, watching our our team win the national championship the year before, you got to score points some nights, and you know. Unless everyone just got freakishly hot, which was possible because we saw it, you know, this team had some guys who were capable of of scoring, and they just could never seem to put it all together in one night. Um, I don't know, may, it's probably a couple games, and you're right, it's not a disappointing year because it's a kind of a sandwich year, if anything. I mean, I think the big thing you lo- lose is a chance for for this year's team, which is you know, other than Mamadi and Braxton. And Kihei, I guess, you know, a bunch of guys who either didn't participate in or who played kind of backup roles in the championship, getting their exposure and their motivation for the offseason to build to next year. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing. For you have you you were very uh, outspoken on this here program about your not necessarily, um, you know, um, lack of belief uh, in UVA, but that um, you didn't think that the winning streak necessarily portended to them, you know, going on a title run. Um, no, as you look back, what if, what if, what if they got into play in the, in the tournament? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say that UVA could have won any game that they were in. That's like, fair. Any game that they got it were in, they could have won because we'd seen them gut out a bunch of good games or a bunch of tough games against, you know, there were a few good wins in there. But, you know, just to kind of, like, remind everyone of, like, what they did to in that winning streak, um, they beat a Notre Dame team by one in overtime, 50-49, to 49, um, a Notre Dame team that was not going to the tournament. They beat a North Carolina team that was had a losing record by two, 
They beat Boston College by 13. They beat a bad Pitt team by three. They beat a bad Virginia Tech team by three. Uh, and then they beat Duke by two and Louisville by three at home. And then they beat Miami 46-44 without Chris Likes. Um, that, those are a bunch of wins, and you can't take those wins away, and they deserve credit for gutting out a bunch of close games. But only two of those are against tournament teams. They won those games by one possession, and they were both at home. So I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I think this team was the second weekend team based on that because almost every single team you're going to play in the NCAA tournament is better than the teams they beat outside of Louisville and Duke, including your first round game, which would have been against a really good mid-major team like a Vermont, who they almost lost to early in the season. So I would guess they'd probably be out in the first weekend um, just based on like the quality of opponents. But without knowing who the opponents are, it's hard to say that with a lot of certainty. They certainly could have made a run to the second weekend. Um, I would have been absolutely stunned if they won four games in a row um, in the NCAA tournament. Um, and, and they deserve credit for being in all these games. But, but like you said, the math eventually just says, you know, your luck's going to run out. And playing against better competition – um, you know, UVA was like 42nd and Ken Palm at the end of the season. Almost every team in the tournament is better than that, um, except for like the 15 and 16 seats um, and teams like that. So almost everybody UVA would have played would have been comparable or better. So I think eventually your Lux is going to run out in that situation. And that's fine because a month before the end of the season, we were talking about if they make the tournament, that's a good year. You know, you get to next year and you get to kind of hit the reset button. Yeah. What if the I mean, like, I, I think part of the question for me is not necessarily what if they had gotten to play it, but what if the fun of that season was that run? Like, what if that was? Yeah, the I think that's you know? I think that's exactly what it would have been. Like, I think we would have looked back and been like, it's crazy that they won all those close games. There were a lot of exciting games in there. They lost in the second round to, I don't know, whoever, um, some good team, you know, like a very solid, you know, Michigan State or something. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's no, there's no harm or foul in that. You're the defending national champs who lost so much. Um, you were down and out halfway through the season and managed to kind of scrape your way, not just into the NCAA tournament, but like solidly in and the number two seed of the ACC. Um, I know that UVA has been very, very successful over the past decade or so, but that's still a really good year for almost every team. I feel like, um, <laughs> like, there's this. I do think that like there's a, there's a difference. Okay, there's a difference between you're winning games because you're really good, and you're winning games because at times um, you're good enough, right? And I think I think if you look at that eight game winning streak, there were games that they won because they were good, and then there were also games that they won because they were kind of like in the right place at the right time, right? Um, that's just that's just the nature of winning streaks sometimes, but like the vast majority of the win, of those, right? Like it's not like they had one or two games where they got kind of squeaked by right or like they had to have some things kind of go their way there were a bunch of those that were like that and were games where the other team seemed poised to to do it and and then it just didn't work out um i i, think, I mean a lot of those games came down to last second shots that uv yeah. either made or the other team missed and i mean if you just flip a few of those they're like a bubble team yeah and that's and that's the difference it's like if you if you're 29 and, and two right you had to put some really nice win win streaks together you were doing a lot of that because you were just really good, not because the other team, you know, made a mistake here or and, there. And that's why that's why I got kind of annoyed with all the people that were like the backlash. And and I understand that people are going to defend their school, and and I'm not. That's not why I didn't like it. But there was a lot of UVA's on this big winning streak. Why aren't they hiring Ken Palm? UVA's on this big winning, you know, like whatever. It's not this, and then comparing it to like the team of the previous year and so on and so forth. The team from the previous year was blowing people out every night. Like they were winning games by 20, 25 points against good competition, mediocre competition, bad competition. And they were doing it very efficiently on both ends of the court. Yeah, they so had the, like one hiccup in Raleigh where it got close. And, and that, yeah, and, and that, that happens to every team in the season. Like, I mean, even the Kentucky team that went like 39 and one probably had a couple of games here and there that were close. Um, and that's what I mean. Like the, the only team that really like had their number was Duke and both of those games were close. So it, it was it's not an it, just because the record. And I think this is what happens. People get so caught up in wins and losses like the product on the court was not even close to the same. And right, I think everyone right. knew that, including the head coach. 
So I mean, yeah, like, Tony it's, seemed it's okay so to not that stressed. Flawed. Like I, I still think that that is one of my endearing. I mean, obviously, you know, COVID and everything that happened with coronavirus is, is the indelible memory. But like, I'll never forget how relaxed Tony Bennett was all all of the season. Like they were turning the ball over at like astronomical numbers, and Tony Bennett would come in the post game, and you. I mean, he just didn't. He's like he understood better than anybody. That was. That's I mean, the we thing. we heard from the beginning. I mean, now it's time. You know, enough time has passed. But like we were hearing things in the off season before the season, like the offense isn't going to be good. Like, you know. So. Yeah. I mean, like that. I mean, they weren't wrong. You know what I mean? Like they, that. That they had to have known. Like if if we're if that's the outlook, and we saw what happened right out of the gate against Syracuse. Like the coaches had to have seen it every day. They knew what they were working with. Like, One and they made to, the most of it. And I think people should appreciate that part of it. We were talking earlier about the offense, right? One thing we we should not lose sight of is the fact that, like, for a little while there, Tony Bennett was asking them to to get into the offense. Like, they were pushing a little bit, you know. Um, yeah. And and not necessarily saying that they should not have stopped. I mean, it's clearly, once um, well, since I started hitting three ball a little bit better. Um, you know, they they didn't necessarily need it as much. Um, That's going to be one of the, like the legacy moments of the season for me. Honestly, is going to be that loss to Louisville, where he just absolutely went nuts for like twenty minutes. Um, yeah, he like he like uh, he went unconscious there for a little while, and then like kind of came back to earth. Um, but but that's the thing is that like. That's one of the that's one of the intoxicating pieces about that team is like they gave you just enough in a variety of ways to basically make every argument. Um, and every like, like every random sort of like um, position you could argue defensible. You know what I mean? Like you could you could say that that team was much better than it was, or you could say that they were much worse. You know, there's plenty of evidence on both sides. You know, like if you think you know, oh well, you know, Wolden's I had put it out there. It was it was, he was he was due to start shooting. I mean, yeah, you you've got to rely on something happening that you didn't see, but at the same time, like that's just as likely as the eight game winning streak coming to an end i mean you know what i mean like that's that's the piece of this whole thing yeah. with that team is that like there are just so many unknowns that the the, the 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 mad libs of it all are just kind of maddening i mean if anything last year was just more proof to me that virginia like it is has arrived as a program um i mean we, we all couldn't agree the roster was down and you know they, they definitely made the most of what they had and won a lot of games several they shouldn't have but that's what good programs do i mean we always joke about duke never having an off year but yes there's been some years where duke didn't have the talent they've had you know in their championship seasons or and they still are hard to beat you know it's like that's what you become when you're a good program and i mean there's very few coaches in the acc who could have won as many games as as virginia won last year given some of the struggles they had offensively. Yeah, I mean, like, even you, you mentioned Duke. Duke is kind of like the ultimate ally, or even North Carolina. They've had a few years where they you know made, went to the NIT, or even this past year. Or look right? at this year, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, even the programs that can bring in talent aren't can't necessarily escape mediocrity every year. But I think what you said is true. The fact that UVA could turn what they had this year um, – you know what we saw through the first half of the season into a 23 win team or whatever they ended up 15 and five in the ACC. Yeah, I think that speaks to, um, and I'm not saying you're not going to have another lean year here and there, but like, you know, that kind of speaks to the longevity and like the, you know, how viable is the program going forward, right? Yeah. That that they were able yeah. to not just win a bunch of close games, but you know, they they won twenty three. They were still I think they finished first in defense again, like in Ken Palm or where or second at worst. So I mean, I think that if that's your floor, I mean we were talking we, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. It's not that long ago we were saying like, hey, if they could just make the tournament like yeah, every once true. in a while or like yeah. consistently make the make yeah. the tournament. Yeah, that'd not be great games. <laughs> just get there. Yeah. Now, you're it's right. like, now, now they get one seed, it's like more more often than if you'd have told me they would make the tournament as often as they've gotten a one seed in the tournament 10 years ago, I'd have been happy. Yeah, for sure. Um, I remember that was one of the most surreal things about that 2014 season, winning the ACC oh, yeah. tournament. We were getting me and Brad, we were talking about it on Twitter the other day, getting caught in the snow on the way back. Yeah. 
was that they got a one seed. I was like, I could see that maybe like winning an ACC tournament someday, but like as a one seed in the NCAA, that was the part that I was like, this is like bizarre. You know, <laughs> like yeah. you watch the selection show all these years and you see them like go through the one seeds first. You never think that like UVA would be in that group. And now they've done it, what, like four times in the last, you know, eight years or whatever it is. So. Isn't it five? I can't. I guess, no, four, four. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, so. Don't right. take this for granted. <laughs> no, it's no, people right. taking it for granted. Years old, and this is like the only yeah, right. The only UVA basketball you know, like the, don't take this for granted. Yeah, for sure. And um, look up preach out to Jennifer. my ten year old every day. Like <laughs> every every time Virginia is playing basketball, I tell my ten year old, it's not normally like this. Right? Usually, you usually have to yell a lot at the TV. Yeah, I mean, Brad was volunteering <laughs> to write about Reynardo Sydney not too long ago. Yeah, that's true. That was only you know ten years or whatever. Um. All right, so Dan Buckman, uh, he asked about a couple other questions too, but the one I want to I want to end on this. He said, "What if Tony had left for the Milwaukee Bucks?" And let me tell you what, <laughs> I I don't know. He didn't attach a year to this, so I mean, uh, you know, I don't I don't remember I don't remember the Milwaukee Bucks making a play. I for believe him, seriously, I believe it but... was a thing when they hired Jason Kidd. Um, like Brogdon was already there. Okay. And and they were, the job was open and people were like, oh, maybe Tony Bennett will go there because of the ties to the state and so on and so gotcha. forth. But I don't know if he was like actually a candidate or anything. All right, I'm going to answer this question like I would answer any Tony Bennett leaving UVA question, and that is to say, if this if Tony Bennett left for any anything, literally left the job for any reason, um, I'm going to put the thing um, under construction. Like I'm going to take the message board down. Because I don't want to see, especially like if he were to leave for another college job, like oh my gosh, like I just can't even. <laughs> Which we don't think will happen. No, yes, please, no. UCLA is not backing up that truck. Um, flying a plane over. Well, two, they would have. <laughs> they wanted to. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I've never been. I've never been happier with a tweet in my life than than being. We were what? What hotel room were we in, Ferber? We were in some. We were, what city were we in? Were we in? Where were we? It wasn't we? a nice one. No, it was. Charlotte, yeah, it was one of those. It was one of those CD joints. Um, and I came up. It was anyway. some guy wrote a lead, and he was basically like UCLA backed up the. Bus it was the most dramatic out of the thing arena after his season ended, and now it's time to back up the truck on to Tony Bennett. And you're like, okay. No, he was like, it was like the. It was like uh, the as the players file out of the. Now listen, I, I'm not going to knock this on some level because like I do gimmicky stuff like this all the time. You know, like it was such and such time. Of course. Whatever. I've thrown so many gimmicks in these rewatch their favorite game things. Yeah, they're good. Um, but anyway, so then he says this and it's like, you know, the and the wind is or the, the the cold or whatever. It was something about, you know, it gotten chilly or whatever. And then as the truck drove away and now it needed to drive to Tony Bennett's house or some nonsense. Anyway, I digress. If Tony Bennett leaves, Brad's putting the under construction sign on his message board for a good 48 hours. Um, because man, talk about like just people losing their minds. Um, now, if Tony Bennett leaves because you know he's been on the job for 38 years and they've won seven national championships, it's going to be all about like who's going to replace the legend, right? Um, but no, I will not. It, what if gotta get that hot board up? Yeah, right. Brad will be, um, you know, he, Brad will be in a state of um, what's the term? Um, you know, trying to survive survival mode, right? Like, I'm just going. I'm just trying to get through the next day, bro. Like that. If Tony Bennett leaves, I'm just trying to get through to the next day. That's I'm just I'm just gonna put it out there. Um, if he had left, I mean, I think it's fair to say that um, that you, the UVA fans would have been upset. And um, I I mean, I guess at that point we got to start talking about who would be the one to replace him. But yeah, that gets into. I think that the one thing you can say is he certainly elevated the profile of the job. Oh yeah, for sure. This is now like so, I a, mean, like if in, let's say next yeah. year they win a national title, then he's like, yeah, I just want to like play golf, and he retires. Like the job is a lot more accessible than it would have been when he got it. I'd be okay if he did, like, if he won the national title and did that at his age, because he could change his mind in four or five years and come back. <laughs> yeah, Michael Jordan stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we were all we were all willing to uh, let Tony walk to win a national title in our in our bargaining podcast or whatever it was last year. So. Yeah, he did that, so I can't hold it against him. But guy, you're right. Like I don't, I won't look at anything. I probably take a couple of days off work. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, and then and then I'll start to, yeah, and then I'll start to because I don't want to see like all my tech friends come over. Like, like oh, junior, <laughs> um, no, it's uh, I, I, I would need take to take time be, off work. I love that. That's great. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, so, and that comes from the guy who got up the morning after UMBC and went and opened the doors to a sports store where everyone who knew I was a Virginia fan decided to come rub it in. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, I, I don't want to think about it, but nor do I want to see that hot board. Even though Ron Sanchez would be very high on the list. Yeah, I mean, well, you know. <laughs> hey, don't don't cry because it's over. Smile because it oh happened. Oh my god! Yeah. All right, on that note, buy a ticket to adversity. Blah, blah, blah. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> oh god. Oh, you're done with that. <laughs> if you are someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, Spotify's trying to like take over podcasts, and you guys been paying any attention to that? Anyway, or Overcast, um, wherever it is that you get your programs, and if you're so inclined, give us a rating and review, and it helps to get us out in front of more people. If you're somebody who has found the pod, hasn't given us a look yet, check us out on the site. Web- uh, the website is CavsCorner.com, as implied by the name of the podcast. Uh, let's see. Right now, Ferber just mentioned it a few minutes ago. He's got his... Uh, his piece on Georgia tech um, in the 2017 game um, are in our, our favorite games uh, series. Um, that was such a fun look back. I like, I just remember that game being bonkers. Um, and as, as I was reading Ferber's uh, kind of review, so to speak of it or, or whatever, I, I just, th- that, th- that game kind of borders on unbelievable. Like of all the random no- nonsense that happened in that game. Um, let's see. Kelly Papinga talked to us yesterday. Um, as you, as we record this anyway, um, that dude is going to be a head coach, man. He's one of the most engaging interviews, um, of any assistant that, that I've ever covered. So definitely give that a look. Um, I, I did a little bit of an in-depth thing on, um, the quarterback position. Bronco talked to us last week about, you know, bringing in, uh, Keaton Thompson. Um, what does that mean for Brennan Armstrong? We, we did a little bit about that. Um, so give all that a look. And as, um, as we move forward, we're going to talk to Jason Beck, as you listen to this later today, um, we're scheduled to talk to him about um, the quarterback uh, position in general. So give that a look as well. All right. Uh, let's see. I think that's that's all of it. Again, I want to thank everybody for out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate them uh, and all they do. Um, so for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.